Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free. Or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Okay, it's great. Aaron's Okay, listen. Aaron's singing on the podcast. That's how excited I am. I can't be more happy. All right. Hey, everybody. Welcome to episode 68 of the More Than Just Code podcast. My name is Tim Mitra. I'm in Toronto, Ontario, and I'm joined once again by my co-host Aaron Vay in Whitby, Ontario. Hello there. And we also have a special guest host, Greg Keogh from Toronto, Ontario. How's it going? And we nice. have Mark Rubin down there in San Jose, California. Hello. <laughs> hey, everybody. Hey, everybody. <laughs> All right. Hey, hey, everybody. hey, guys. Guys. Hey. Hey. It's hey. podcast time. Yeah. Go. Mark, Mark serious, serious Mark. Um, you know, I, you know, I was actually, actually thinking about this very same thing today. Um, lowest offer I had last year and I like in the neighborhood of $75,000. Yeah. Um, I would expect in Toronto, you could easily get between a hundred and 125 and, and I'm talking like a serious, a senior developer sort of thing. Why did you get offered a really low, low yeah, yeah. Well, I was talking to a potential client, a former potential client. We were going to do a contract thing, and um, yeah. you know, the number I proposed to him was considerably higher than he thought. Right? Of course, of yes, course, sure. it always is. Yep. But mm-hmm. uh, in this case, he said, um, "We're looking to you know pay a salary. You know, yeah. we're thinking of a salary. You know, because I'm sure. I'm a contractor, right? So I don't take salaries, yeah. but uh, of seventy five thousand. Yeah. And I was like, well, that's considerably lower than what I would do in a year, and so that's not yeah. on my radar. But then he went on to say uh, mm-hmm. that that's actually quite a bit higher than the average in Toronto, which is 59. Really? Yeah. And I was like, what? <laughs> um, well, that's, a, that's an interesting interesting uh, number. I, I was actually thinking today of, of maybe like doing sort of an on, anonymous poll or something, maybe through the website or something like that, and asking developers to sort of let us know what they make. I know that clearly in you know in San Francisco and stuff like that, you can expect to get much higher salaries because you know the cost of living is so much crazy crazier there down in the valley. Well, yeah, in, yeah. New York and places like that, you know, where you've got bigger rents to pay and things like that. I could expect to 
I would expect to be paid a lot more. But like when I've been talking to developers in the last you know year or so, trying to figure out you know because I have some projects to work on, and I sort of always get around to asking people what their rate is. The average rate I get from people is is the equivalent of a hundred dollars U.S. per hour. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Okay. Maybe sometimes higher, sometimes lower. So Mark has kind of put me wise to the sort of like to sort of you know I mean the reality is we should charge a reasonable amount of money for what we do. That said, like the the fifty nine thousand, or sorry, what do you say, fifty nine yeah, thousand? Yeah, fifty nine thousand. I've actually, I've actually been offered lower than that, and just sort of went, you know, as a salary you know. for a full time job. Yeah, yeah. You know, if you look at like say fifty thousand dollars, or even yeah. fifty nine, you know, the so called yeah. average mm-hmm. uh, in Toronto is not really a very compelling salary. Like, you yeah. know, you set that against living expenses, and that's not very much money at all. Yeah, I've actually gone on two tech interview, two interviews in the last couple of last little while. You you would have been shocked. I actually had to stand up at a whiteboard last week in an interview. Oh my god! Oh my god! Yeah, I would yeah. have I would have walked out of the room. I would just have been well, like, yeah, you know what? I don't want you people. <laughs> yeah, and, and and that's kind of sort of what I what I thought. You know, when I when when. As soon as, as soon as we'd like to just, and the guy went up to the whiteboard and started racing the board. I'm like, oh, where's Aaron when I need him? <laughs> Why? Is there a table that needs flipping? <laughs> oh, it was a big table too. <laughs> I would have flipped it for you, Tim. I would have flipped it. Yeah, for you. and it, and and it was it was a senior position I was applying for. So I'm like, you know, really, you know. Let me read you this. The average salary for an iOS developer in Toronto is fifty nine thousand dollars. So I think we've done a good job of bringing a fair market value because they were offering seventy five, which I thought was low. The States is a far different market. That's where salaries can go into the 95 to 115K range, which is ultra competitive. No, that to me looks like confirmation bias. Like he, he wants it to be 59. And so he's only looking at the evidence that suggests that it might be. Toronto is, a, I think, a very vibrant and hot market for iOS developers. Um, I'm, I'm very uh, <laughs> hard-pressed hard to be idle uh, when I put the word out that I'm looking for contracts. Um, I, den- I tend to find work and uh they're willing to pay my rate um and so if you you know math that out to full time that's like a hundred ninety five thousand dollars a year i guess uh if only i could make every hour paid but (laughs) alas but there it is so we can we can all have a little party dance about that one but i mean it's a shocker though that that adobe is it's adobe the killing it not not so much we should save this for the show but you know i was gonna go really oh my god the witch is dead tim this is the show yeah, <laughs> this is the show. This is the show. Yeah, this is the show. This is um, the show. This is it. It's okay, the show. Welcome to the show, kids. I gotta work up Slack and see what's happening with Greg. There here. was. There's only one way to, for Flash to die, and that's for Adobe to kill it themselves. We knew it was going to happen. Just a question of when. And mm-hmm. it's it's now. This is it. Yeah, yeah. Well, since we were talking about Flash, why don't why don't you uh, lead in there, Greg, on the death of Flash? I don't even know what you guys were talking about, though. Oh, oh come on, it? really, Flash. Okay, it's great. Aaron's okay. Listen, Aaron's singing on the podcast. That's how excited I am. I can't be more happy. Actually, I'm I'm kidding, you know, because it doesn't matter anymore, right? Like if if um if Flash were more relevant, I guess I'd be happier about this. But now it's just like who, right? Oh yeah, those guys. So 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 a couple things about that. I still get requests to go and train people on Flash, so it is being used in the enterprise to this day. Believe it or not, in period sane period. But my my having read the article uh that greg posted here even though he denies it okay so i i read between the lines here and i see that adobe's coming out with what do they call it adobe animate, oh, animate. adobe animate cc and uh that that you know 
kind of I kind of wonder if there's going to be like a timeline kind of thing in there and some sort of vector object so you can you know scale and animate and they did have just, that other product didn't they where you would it was flash like but it would write out canvas stuff does anyone know what I'm talking mm. about well I can tell you that animate uh, is just like flash I think except that it's going to output HTML5 now. Oh, instead of like a FL, uh, uh, FLV, yes. And yeah, um, right. there's a video on Adobe's site. If you go to that uh, that link that we have there, there's mm-hmm. a video where they uh, introduce Flash Professionals becoming Animate CC, and they show the application, and it looks like Flash. Uh, timeline and all, you know, like yeah. the, the Flash you know and love, except it produces something that anybody can use. Hooray! Now, yeah, is there yeah. still action script as part of it, or is it all timeline-based oh, stuff now for, like, you want, for the like, designers to use? Details. You know? Action script. <laughs> I have no idea, but if I could you know, listen to this guy talk, I could probably tell you that. But uh, I don't see any evidence of it from the video itself. Okay, because I know like that was part of the appeal That's of the original deal. Flash, right? Was that you of didn't course. have to know programming. You just had to put these things and make these little animations. And now that they're calling it animate, it feels like, you know what? This is just a presentation thing. There's no interactivity anymore. And yeah. it's just going to be stuff moving around. There's also that titling software that they use. Like, I, I always forget the name of it, but, but I get a lot of people asking about it um, who work in video and stuff like that, where you can do After Effects, I think it is. They have some sort of like uh, it's a it's a tool for taking you know vector and raster stuff and making it flash and you know have particles and what have you just like you know kind of like we do in Sprite Kit right yeah it's called After, Adobe After Effects and it was it was used in video and, and you know the old, maybe the old multimedia thing where we had CD-ROM type consumable media right okay. This is around, you know, and and that sort of grew the multimedia. That you know, there was a point there in time where we were all going to consume, you know, these amazing presentations off of CD-ROM, and then oh yes, that then became you know, that sort of multimedia. Over to, yeah, that was multimedia. Over to, yeah, and when I grew up, multimedia was you know you got a can and some macaroni and some glue and you sprayed it with gold paint, you know, <laughs> but um, or a film strip. <laughs> Who remembers <yeah>. those? <laughs> yeah, film strips. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, and then there was a whole, like, I mean, the, the Flash itself came out of a company called Macromedia, which uh, was acquired by, was a company acquired by Adobe, and that's how they got, they ended up with Freehand and Illustrator, and Freehand was arguably better than Freehand, Illustrator in some other ways, so they merged them together and called it Adobe Illustrator, right, just like they just made it into one product. So they took the best of both worlds, and, they, and each one of them had a competing web tool as well that they took and merged together. And what do they call that? Uh, oh, Dreamwe- Dreamweaver. Right? Dreamweaver. That was Macromedia's that. product. Yeah. Boy, so, there's so, so many of them. <laughs> yeah. So there was Go Live on the Adobe side, and there was Dreamweaver on the on the on that side, and there was you know the sort of you took you took your stand on either opposite camps, and you hurled you know web objects at each other. Pardon the pun. But eventually, we all had to just you know okay, well, when Adobe merged it all together and said okay, now it's Dreamweaver, now it's Flash, you know. Let me just point out a couple other things about this Adobe thing, just quickly. The very first paragraph. It's I don't know whether this is sad or happy. I've, I've, oh, I love it that says, paragraph. We embrace standards, and where none exist, <laughs> we create them. It's uh-huh. like it's like yeah. the last stand of Adobe. They're giving up on flat. Well, you know, essentially giving up, but they still have to throw that in there, which I just. It's just, you know, oh, Adobe. And then the other thing is further down, they talk about what is still out there that's using Flash that we need to worry about. Video, which has kind of gone HTML5 by now. There's still some places that use Flash Uh video. And... Facebook games. It's like they specifically mention we have to we have to work together with Facebook to ensure that Flash gaming still works without security vulnerabilities. That's where Adobe has landed with Flash. However, ten years later, Facebook games. 
But it's it, it, but interesting that they mentioned security there because that's a huge issue. And and it's funny because like if you have little kids, I know most well Aaron does, but yeah, um, she's twelve now, man. Yeah, but but <laughs> how how many times did she go to websites that were, were playing flash games and just collect coins and you know? No, she didn't do race. that really. She was always iOS, always iOS. Yeah. Hmm. Well, yeah. yeah. Before before iOS sort of became a major thing in in these kids' lives, a lot of them were were doing that kind of, of stuff. Of course, and they, they've all gone to Minecraft now, so we've completely lost That's control over them. Exactly right. So. right. <laughs> It's it a just feels future. a little bit sad because, you know, actual applications used to be made in Flash, like, uh, you know, actual enterprise stuff and qu- online quizzes and, you know, filling out forms and whatnot. And now it's like, you know, last one out, shut the door, turn out the lights. What is it? It's Facebook games like Farmville and that kind of thing. And that's what Adobe has to worry about in this kind of final long tail. So it's a little bit sad, I think. Not, uh, not with a bang, but with a whimper. Exactly. Fine. Good riddance. I mean, the security thing is just an abomination. Oh, yeah. Okay, so, so, uh, so back to your real-time follow-up. Sorry. Yeah, the real-time follow-up. Um, uh, some I, I tweeted a question about that 59K thing out earlier. And, oh, uh, did you? Okay, what was your... Well, I just got a response from uh, Phil Mills. Uh, he's an iOS developer in the States. And uh, he pointed me to Indeed.com, which uh, tracks salaries. And so the salary that I'm showing for Toronto for iOS developer is $101,000. That is in U.S. dollars, by the way. It Aaron. is in U.S. dollars, in yes. In U.S. dollars, just to, yeah. just to add that. So that's like 130 right, in Canadian dollars. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's just interesting that down in average salary with related titles. Okay, these are just different titles of the same thing. Okay, I see. Yeah, right. I see like Android developer, for example. Yeah, but there's an iOS, iOS guy there for 73 right? So. Oh, well, let me go back. Hire him. Oh, that's weird. So it's call the same us, job title, but has a different number. Yeah, hire him, and when it doesn't work, hire us to fix it. Jeez. Sounds like you should be an Android app developer growing if you want the most money. I don't know what growing is, but... There uh, is a, there wasn't, there's another similar uh, page, because I know we've talked about this on the show before, and, and I know there was an, I came across another page like this Indeed one that talks about uh, sal- average salaries. I think Glassdoor uh, is the other one I always see. Is that what you're thinking of, maybe? Yeah. Maybe, maybe, I, I, but the numbers are always sort of the same, and you can you can sort of pick different areas around the United. States. Usually, it's the United States, right? And you can pick areas around there and sort of see what average salaries are, and, and they all come out around the same number anyway. So I miss what Mark and, was saying. Well, about my that, impression is that they're a little bit on the low side, from what I'm seeing in your area. In my area, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, we know the cost of living is a lot higher. Yeah, I know, but too. I mean, the numbers are much higher than what you guys are saying in my area. But, yeah, but to me, it's still a little bit on the low side. So. If this is an average salary, sure, you know, because that, that's including a lot of entry-level people as well. So, yeah, right. so maybe that yes. makes sense. For an average number, sure, that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Where, where, where would you see an entry-level um, number be in, in San Francisco area, in the Valley? Where do you, what would you think a junior guy would be? A junior or, uh, guy? Um, what do you mean by junior? Like, just, you know, zero, I mean, zero experience? And, say, like, fresh out of school, right computer of school, science grad with, like, one uh, cheesy app on the store. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's a good question because I, you know, I, I never really talked to those people. Doctor Rubin, too good for the planet. No, it's, no, it's not. It's not drop <laughs> that. It's just, it's just I don't, you know, I'm not in those circles. But you know, it would certainly be a hundred k. I would think. You think? think for a beginner? Yeah. Oh yeah, in your area. In my so, area. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's expensive yeah. here. Yeah, and, and you know, yeah. <laughs> Although I'm seeing one on this list for eighty k for junior iOS developer in San Jose, eighty k. Well, so all the senior developers can now go and work as junior developers in San in San Francisco. Yeah, it's kind of like real estate, though, right? Like this is this is only yeah, asking price. You don't know what right. they're eventually getting them for. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. 
Interesting. I thought it was interesting, though. Uh, that's, uh, that's just why I brought it up. But, um, you know, again, confirmation bias, I think, because, you know, employers want to pay as little as possible, right? Of course. And so they're going to look for the evidence that supports their desires. And that's cool. But uh, they're, they, they have to ultimately do what everyone does, and that's tested in the market. Um, iOS or hiring anybody is a marketplace, you know, so you're going to have to, you know, work kind of harder, perhaps, to find someone willing to take that kind of salary. Well, and, and, and my, my fear is that there will be somebody that will take it, right? Yeah, exactly. Well, Which perpetuates the, yeah. the, the low rates. Right? I have a friend who works for a well-known um, Mac and iOS development shop. They have a product that is very well known. Actually just came out with a major update. I won't name them, but uh, they're paying this guy lower than that average rate I was telling you about. You're kidding. Yeah, and he's been there for years. Um, uh, so he's he well, is may, that may for, be the problem that he's been there for years and yeah, you know, I think you so only, too. Yeah, uh, get a big jump by by moving around. By moving around, exactly. And so, mm-hmm. uh, looking right now, and, uh, and I was actually thinking about forwarding him to this opportunity, given that they're um, they're they're asking or rather offering more than he's getting right now. But still, mm-hmm. it's it's complicated, right? You know, it's just uh, tough for you know anybody to get a feel, truly feel. You know, like we've got anecdotes, but getting the actual you know hard data is difficult to do because few people like to talk about money. You know, even job postings, you know, places like what Indeed dot com does. You know, I presume that that data comes from uh, people who talk about salary in their postings, right? So possibly, possibly. Well, I, I mean, I don't the know, thing like, that where is, else would Indeed, it come from? Indeed's a pretty Indeed complains to be claims to be a pretty big uh, repository of job. Like they're, they're sort of like the Uber recruiter, right? L- lots of stuff comes to me through Indeed and, you know, people looking for, oh, I found your resume online and blah, blah, blah. Right. So, hmm. yeah. And they, they, I think their claim they're I think they're out of Ireland or something like that, but their claim is that they all, they'll, uh, they have all kinds of placements around, uh, around the world pretty much. Right. But, uh, but I mean, I, I don't know about you, but a lot of the interviews that I've gone to at a, sort of in corporate environments and stuff like that is sort of like, oh, well, we're paying way lower than that. Better than the 59, but, but not quite near a hundred. Right. So. Right. Right. And it seems often that the larger companies are paying the less amounts for some reason. Do you want to talk about the Apple watch? Being stalled? Stalled. A stalled platform. Stalled. It's going nowhere. So yeah. Well, this is not link bait, to be frank. Uh, this how about is, you? How about you? This is Dan Fromer, uh, a noted Apple commentator, and uh, he is stating his opinion that he doesn't feel the Apple Watch as a platform uh, is making the gangbusters progress that you might expect from any new Apple platform. And I think he's on the money about this. I I don't disagree with what he's saying. I can I can still highly value my Apple Watch. Uh, we talked recently about how, you know, if, if it uh, fell in a lake and we lost it, for example, how quickly would we replace it? Uh, which I think is an excellent metric for how valuable you find a piece of technology in your life. <laughs> how long would it take you to replace it if you lost it? So uh, I would replace mine very quickly where you, Tim, would probably not replace it very quickly at no. all. I got um, my first scratch on it the other day and I was... A scratch? Yeah, kind of like Holy a cow. scratch. Yeah, mine's still flawless after all this time well that's it interesting um so anyway going through this uh this column he just talks about the the things that um that he notices that that don't lead it to you know have the impression of being a gangbusters platform to put it that way and Mm -hmm. uh a lack of compelling apps i mean number one top of the list you know where where are the apps Mm -hmm. and they're they're really not to be found um i can't you know (laughs) you know imagine an apple platform that you know, basically the stuff that comes on it when you pull it out of the box is pretty much all you use it for, 
Mm-hmm. And right. and I, I'm going to be right there with you, Tim. Like I think that's my case. You know, I, I've I've looked at other third-party apps uh, aside from the Second Cup app, which mm-hmm. uh, I I pay with my watch, and I'm the only person in I think the owner told me in Durham region yeah. um, that that pays with his watch at a Second Cup. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Plenty of people are members and use their phones to scan. So, but <laughs> so they have like a barcode thing, scanner thing. Yeah, yeah. It's a cup? QR okay. code, and it comes up on your watch face or on your phone, right? And so people scan with their phones all the time. But I'm the only person who scans with his watch. Like not just at that store, but in every store in Durham Reach. The the area manager told him that. Uh, wow. So, really? Wow. Yeah. Uh, huh. So it, not a lot of people have these watches. Let's just put it that way. And uh, you know, yeah. those who do aren't using them. Um, you know, actually, I was I was at my car dealership the other day and uh, arranging some financing because I bought my car out. And mm-hmm. the the finance manager there had an Apple Watch, and so I remarked on it. And I said, "Hey, you know, you've got an Apple Watch. How cool!" And it's just like mine. And he said, "Yeah, yeah, it's a cute little toy." And you know, he didn't seem to be, yeah, you know, eager about it. And I think I think that's the risk here at, that there's. There is a, a very unique set of functionality that the watch offers you, but it's mm-hmm. not quite there yet, right? Yeah. Um, I find the, the, the cluster of functionality that I use my watch for, it makes it uh, a very useful thing that I, I do use probably a couple dozen times, if not more, a day. Like, not just look at, but actually interact with. Mm-hmm. You know, like I've got the modular face, and so like I'm looking at the temperature, I'm setting timers, I'm looking at my calendar yeah. to see what's next, and uh, I find it invaluable like it really is valuable to my life it's additive Mm -hmm. in Mm -hmm. a a very direct way so you know and that's what dan frommer saying too in this column it's like you know it is a great piece of hardware it is a useful device but it's been six months and i'm still using it for the same things i used it for on day one yeah exactly so so the the OS 2.0 hasn't really done much for it right? no it's done nothing as far as i can tell if i can add something so so i've um I was talking to a dog walker when I first got my watch and sort of said, oh, because I'm the guy at the dog park that has all the, to- the toys, right? And she sort of said, oh, what's that? And I sort of said, well, it's, it's cool because, you know, I can, I can answer my phone with my watch or I can see what's going on. And her, she got, told her husband about it and he bought her a watch. And so she's walking down the road with like, you know, five or six dogs and, and she can't reach into her pocket to get her watch. So she, or sort of get her phone. So she loves, you know, being able to, you know, see the text messages and, and answer calls from her wrists. You know, in that case, so that's a kind of an outlier case, but that's a nice, nice use of, of the technology. Um, I do like to set timers by talking to Siri and saying set a timer for this or set an alarm for that. Um, you're right. I kind of when I do, I, I like to wear it when I go out with the dog for a walk, so I can keep an eye on the time and know how long we're at the park and that kind of stuff. And I can, I also use it to. I will. The only third-party app I use on it is Swarm, and Swarm, the new version of Swarm, is quite nice for checking in. It's a lot better than it was when it first came out. Um, but because I'm still, I'm now the mayor of the dog park again. Way to be, Tim. I know, Way to be. I, I know they brought back mayorships, but um, but yeah, like I look at the de- the temperature, you know. To look at the time, and that's pretty much all I use it for. And occasionally, like, occasionally, a phone call will ring, and I like to be able to look at it and go decide whether I want to smother the phone, which I think is the or smother the watch, which I think is the best way to, to silence a ringer. You know, but I wonder. I wonder if there's just a, an expectation problem here. Uh, so, if you were expecting the the Apple Watch to be a platform with the same type of flexibility and scalability and popularity as, say, the iPhone, then yeah, it looks like a complete flop, complete disaster. But if if this were put out by some other company than Apple and had 
the equal amount of functionality that the Apple Watch has, we might be saying this was an amazing success and what a great thing and look at all the wonderful things it does. It's just a You're comparison not issue. <laughs> but but remember back to when we talked about that wearable, we are wearables um, show I went to and one of the one of the writers, I think he works for the Global Mail, was talking about how it kind of allows us to do triage on our phone. In other words, without having to pull our phone out of our pockets, we can sort of see what's going on because the watch is sort of telling us, oh, this person's calling, or you've got this email message, or here's a text. Here's, I mean, you know, I get, I get Slack mentions, I get, you know, text messages come up, and I can, I can just quickly look at them and go, do I need to deal with this right now or not? I mean, I love that part of the the watch. I mean, so from from the sort of being the second monitor on my phone, if you will, it's it's a great tool. Yeah, yeah, I love that uh, email, right? You know, with yeah. out, I like I use Outlook on my phone, and so I get those. Outlook notifications on my watch. And so, uh, you know, how nine times out of ten an email is just like, okay, I see that, and I just want to archive it. And yeah. that's just one button press right there on oh, my watch. Oh, right, you can do that right from the watch. That's yeah. cool. Yeah, mm. on, using Outlook, you can. I'm not, I'm not sure if you do that with mail. Uh, I find it super helpful for that. Yeah, Mark, you're right that, um, you know, it's, it is about expectations, but I think Apple helps set those expectations, right? You know, like, they, they do that, of course, when they make it a, a platform that you can build for, right? Yeah, it's like, yeah. here's an SDK, you know, you can build your own software for it. Um, the problem is, is that so much of the software, not all of it, but so much of it, um, doesn't seem to belong there or is not at its best when it's on mm-hmm. the watch. If, if that story could improve, and Dan Fromer's saying the same thing. He's like, you know, look at, you know, the next version of the watch. Hopefully it'll be thinner, it'll be faster. Like, faster, man, we need that, right? Because mm-hmm. it does feel like we're really stretching the hardware, especially when you're loading these apps, you know, which is which is a problem of its own, right? Yeah. So, yeah, yeah well, I would like to know, see an improvement there. I, what, I'd, what I'd say to that is compare it to the iPhone 1. Yeah. That thing was a dog slow. I mean, even the iPhone 3, as I remember, was really slow, had no memory. You couldn't really do much on it. Uh, but, it, yeah, over time it got better, right? So maybe mm-hmm. it's cool too. Well, as an analogy, since I get blamed for being the analogy guy, um, it, it's sort of, I mean, it, compared to like the Apple Pencil, if I can use that as an analogy, because, you know, the pencil, you wouldn't go and buy a pencil by itself. It's useless by itself, like in the same sense that you can't have a watch by itself. You have to, have to pair a watch with a phone, right? In the same sense that, that the pencil by itself isn't uh, um, a wonderful, a standalone item. However, Compared to my other styluses that I've used, the smart styluses that have the brains in them and the sensors and all that kind of stuff, the Apple Pencil far and away is better than the other pencils I've tried, the other styluses I've tried. I've tried, you know, the, the static ones, and I've tried the, I have the Pencil by 53, and, like, instantly, like, within two minutes of using the Apple Pencil, I was completely sold on it, like, from a, from a tactile point of view. So, using that as an analogy of how Apple they put the best foot forward when it comes to a new technology. Like, you know, you can compare the the watch to a Pebble or the Android watches or Android yeah, watches and stuff like that, right? They're not, you know, the Apple watch seems to win hands down in terms of its quality, right? Am I correct in saying that? I think so. Well, particularly against the Pebble, right? The Pebble is, you know, intentionally a much more limited platform. Mm-hmm. Um, but putatively, the Apple watch is supposed to blow them out of the water, you know, like mm. by a mile. Uh, or a kilometer. <laughs> and um, <laughs> they do that because of the app platform. You know, you can build apps for the Pebble, but, right. you know, the, the Apple Watch provides, like, a much more rich environment, right? Because it's got, you know, the networking capability when it's hooked into your phone, and it's got the wide, beautiful color screen. And um, But, 
yeah, I don't know. Like it's like we've been saying here. I don't think it's turning out to be as much of a landslide, you know, given that uh, despite the, the you know the proliferation of apps, and there are still quite a few Apple Watch apps, but we're not really using them, right? We know with exceptions, always exceptions. But uh, you know, I, that's just from everything I've heard and seen, and and in my own experience, that's mm-hmm. that's just my my reading of it. I I read Dan Fromer's article, and I was just nodding, going, "Yeah, you're right, you're right," um, <laughs> and. Um, you know, and that's not to say that it's not a valuable platform. It is. But, um, you know, I, I I can also see how it can get a lot better. I think the bright spot is that there's still a lot of developer interest in it. Um, I'm, I was looking at the call for papers for a conference and, you know, they said, hey, submit your idea. And then a few weeks later, they said, oh, we've gotten a lot of Swift proposals and Apple Watch proposals. But, you know, we're still accepting them. So I was like, wow, watch. I was a little surprised because I was going to submit a watch something or other. So, oh, yeah. really? so it turns out that there's so, still a lot of developer interest in it, at least, which is nice, that people are still kind of hammering away at the latest idea, looking into all the APIs and the SDK that are available. So, I don't know, it just seems a matter of just well, throwing stuff good. on the wall and seeing what sticks. <laughs> I know, that's what I'm saying. It's not like developers have abandoned it, and it's like, well, we can't do much, so forget about it. There still seems to be a lot of interest in it on the developer side, which is nice, because as we're all saying, we need it needs that killer app other than just notifications, like a third-party killer app, I mean. Exactly, yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. I thought you were going to scoop over the world and, and do like a presentation on guard. <laughs> yeah, that's in my Swift. Like yeah, Swift guard. Swift guard. That's on my list too to do a Swift. I think I've done enough Swift talks that you know I'm trying to branch out a little bit. But yeah, you're like the Swift I am. Guy, I'm working right? on a Swift or not Swift. I'm working on a, another WatchOS uh, video tutorial series. So that's why the, uh, the watch oh, cool. has been on my mind uh, again. So I figure maybe I'll do something with that. But so I've been looking into it because I haven't looked into WatchOS two um, at all, pretty much. So all the new watch connectivity and stuff. So yeah. There's a lot in there, but yeah, I mm-hmm. think the hardware definitely needs to catch up. That's probably the biggest the biggest hurdle that I see. Mm-hmm. Greg, does your uh, association with Ray Wenderlich prevent you from writing books of your own? No, I can I could write a book on my own. All right, here we go. Okay, you ready? Let's hear it. Idiomatic Swift <laughs> by Greg Heo. Oh, I forgot to mention that. I, uh, I, I, heard, I heard last week's episode, or one more. Was it last week's episode that you were talking about that? Yeah. yeah, I'm like, yeah I heard this like somewhere. That. So, yeah. Yes, you guys were saying if somebody came yeah. up with an idiomatic Swift. Can't you just picture that? Yeah, so Effective Swift 2.0 by Greg Heo. No, no, no. Idiomatic Swift. I was looking at um, the Cyber Monday sales on O'Reilly. And then yeah. because they don't just sell O'Reilly, right? They sell like, I don't know, 30 different brands or whatever yeah, you want to yeah. call them, imprints. Yeah. And there were way more Swift books than I thought there were out there. I think there might have been a... There are a lot out there. I don't know if it was called Idiomatic Swift, but it was called like something like that, whatever another word for idiomatic is. But there were a lot. I was like, and who are the... I don't know. I've never heard of these people. I'm like, what? So I almost wanted to buy a bunch of them just to check them out. Greg, do you you think that the state of the art has come to a point where there actually is a a set of well-defined idioms for Swift, if you know what I mean? I mean, so has it settled down to a point where people really are agreeing on on best practices on on how to write things yet, or are things still in flux? I think it's settled down a good amount. Yeah, I mean, there are sort of a, a single. I know people don't like singletons, but singletons was the big one where there were like ten different ways to do it. There was no such thing as a static property, so you couldn't do it that way. And people came up with put a struct inside a class with a static, pro- and, and people came up with all kinds of things. But now. Like Apple has finally added it and said, oh, no, there's a really easy way to do it now. And so that helps mm-hmm. that the language is in development. But I think just for general things like um, general style, like guard with a guard statement and things like that that we were talking about, I think it's kind of mm-hmm. settled down. And I think there's enough open source Swift stuff out there. Projects, I mean, projects that are written in Swift that are open source that people kind of have a general sense of what it should be. So, yeah, I think it's I think it's I think it's there. 
But yeah. how do you find how do you find like that that the, since we got you here, we can quiz you. Um, how do you find things like the model view controller paradigm that Apple and, and OS X have been working with forever? Ah, how, does, how does that? Fit OS ten. I wasn't going to say anything. Yeah, how does it fit in? I was. It's, it, I mean, <laughs> how does it? How does it fit into the? Yeah, how how, do, how does the model view controller sort of fit into the sort of Swift that we are thinking? I mean, it seems to me a little different. So you know, I know you still have view controllers and you still yeah, have, it is you know, still very just kind of shoehorned in. Like again, that's the problem with Swift is it has to. It's trying to break out and be its own language, but it still has to work with all of the you know things like target target Google. action yeah. or it's, and selectors. It's just totally doesn't doesn't fit in at all so that's just a shame but does that mean all those and someone tweet that ui button ui touch they're on their way out because they're so you know target active no i saw I a tweet about that. that i can't remember who it was but there was a comment like that someone had just asked a question about error handling and they were like why is this not working and you know the answer is because ns error and the way that it works and there's no such thing as sort of typed errors uh-huh. you just have ns error which is a catch-all you know throw your error information their localized description and so yeah there's a ton of stuff in coco that's just doesn't fit with swift so it's kind of a question of how are they going to square that circle and you know take coco away from objective c but then that means objective c won't work anymore but they want to keep it around for a while so i don't know it it does feel like sometimes feels like this swift engineers at apple are sort of their own little corporation separate from the coco engineers mm-hmm, and it's like how mm-hmm. often do they talk i went yeah. i mean the good thing is the swift engineers are like if you follow them on twitter they talk about this stuff all the time and i see people saying oh how come whatever covariance doesn't work properly with this and generic types and they're like oh yeah that doesn't work and it's like should i file a radar and they're like no we already know about it don't file a radar we don't need another one <laughs> and they're very and i'm like wow because i don't know maybe i don't follow enough coco engineers and i don't know and maybe they say that too but i can't imagine that i don't think i've ever seen that before whereas the swift people do seem very open about it so i don't know maybe right, it is right. because it's it's becoming open source so maybe they, well, yeah. they can talk about more yeah. than than apple would normally yeah allow. but I, i'm i'm always yeah, like what 29 29 days away from the the open we've only got a few days yeah deadline. i mean it's you know they've only got under under 30 days to do it because they said it was on track for the year so we'll see but yeah i just wonder how much the swift people are talking to the coco people and how much the coco people are leaning on the swift people to say hey you really need to add uh-huh. this horrible feature x which you probably don't want to you know, pollute your pure language, but we really need it for future compatibility. And I just wonder how much back and forth there is. Or the Swift people saying, hey, we've got all this cool functional stuff. You should really put that into Coco. And them saying no and that right. kind of thing. So yeah. I was just curious about how much they talk and how much one influences the other. So do you think that Swift or Apple's going to follow Dropbox lead and just get rid of Objective-C? <laughs> that is Apple's, you know, we'll have one version of Coco <laughs> that's like the 0.5 version, and then they'll just drop it soon after. I, I always think of like how long yeah. did they keep Rosetta around OS ten? I think it was like three versions or something like that. Ten four, ten five, yeah, and I think ten six, and then with Lion on ten seven they dropped it. So, yeah, I mean it was like ten four dot ten or something when they switched to Intel. It was a very high number I remember. So it's really only five and right, six yeah. that they kept it around. But for the APIs, but the scale is so much bigger yeah. now; it would have so much more impact. If they yeah, that. exactly. So that's why I almost hope that they just make it, you know, rip off the bandaid and make it quick. But if they spread it out, then it's just gonna, you know, it's like compromise well the worst part of compromise no one is going to be happy right the objective c people will say i don't know i can't call this api that's too bad and the swift people say oh, i still got it right in this horrible way when are we going to hurry up and move over so it seems like there would be a painful transition if they if they let it you know they let it linger for too long. let it fester for too long maybe is the better way to say it so i wonder if someday we'll have the objective c community writing uh a set of emulators so you can Build your apps in Objective C, but they get converted to Swift to actually run on the phone. Yeah. 
<laughs> I wouldn't be surprised. I wouldn't be surprised either. Um, I've just pasted a link into the chat, uh, in the Skype chat, and it is uh, about a book by Ash Furrow that is in development oh. right now. It's not uh. okay. Um, it's not out yet, and he's mm-hmm. uh, he's just getting started and building you know support in the community to have people buy it eventually when it comes out. But this thing is called Writing Production Swift, and it's not idiomatic, but it is a proposal for something potentially idiomatic mm-hmm. uh, because his Ashvero believes in writing uh, react or functional reactive mm. programming. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he was a big proponent of reactive cocoa when that was out, and then when Swift appeared, uh, he's uh, re- he's leaning heavily on the uh, functional reactive aspects of, or just to be you know clear, functional programming aspects of Swift. And uh, so he's he's got a tech or a set of techniques, I guess for using uh, functional programming alongside the Cocoa Frameworks uh, to build production apps. And so if you look at this listing here, uh, he's advocating the use of model view view model instead of model view controller Mm -hmm. as a method for for building apps. And that lends itself more to functional programming. And so there's your different paradigm. Like, you know, when I'm programming in Swift every day now, um, I still feel like I'm writing Swiftified Objective C apps because yeah. you know I'm still I've, I'm still adopting Montview controller, um, yeah. still you know using tons and tons of UI kit and you know model code of course which is you know its own thing foundation stuff. Uh, I still don't really feel like you know I'm I'm doing anything vastly different than I was before. Right. Um, but the possibilities that Swift opens up for us, you know, with its functional aspects, means that we should probably also consider. Uh, different ways of programming and even if you don't adopt some of these techniques learning about them really does add to your capabilities as a developer you know it's also really super cool (laughs) so i'm kind of excited about this book coming out uh god knows when it'll happen but if there are other books that are like this uh, i'd be interested in hearing about them too greg i just browsed that list from o'reilly and i didn't see anything that said idiomatic in the title but like essential um, swift and learning (laughs) swift and things like that yeah i saw essential okay (laughs) yeah and learning yeah for sure but uh, anyway, there's this. This one looks very interesting. Trademark that title in advance or something, you know? You should totally do that, man. That's I'm telling oh, you. Right, okay, I'm going to do that right yeah. now. Uh, so just speaking of Ash, there he had an interesting talk at Swift Summit a few, or I guess it was like last month, uh, about finding. I think it was called finding best practices, and it wasn't a technical talk, but it was just like how do we as a community come up with these back you know are we like looking for somebody to come down from on high at apple to say here it is the book on it and i think his point in the talk if i remember correctly was like no we as a community have to come up with this and that's the great thing about open source you get to see each other's code and review it and come up with what the best practices are so nice interesting to see that is he's that got... a loosely held strong convictions um that was published on november yeah. 4th of this at the Pragma uh, No, this is, uh, I think Pragma was early in the, or Pragma was October. This is end of October. I think it was a similar talk. I didn't, I didn't watch that one. Yeah, this was at Swift Summit, but I think the talk was similar, but um, yeah. Okay. Anyway, so seeing that he's got this book sort of Sorry, in the, in the works is, uh, yeah, sounds good. I'm, I'll look forward to it. Yeah, I do. I collect a number of um, titles, obviously, Aaron, because I'm always looking for um, course material for courses I'm running. I'm doing a, I'm doing an advanced iOS course in two weeks. Um, so, and of course, there's nothing on Swift for advanced uh, iOS. So I'm kind of cobbling together uh, ideas from different places. So I've been, I've been looking at a lot of libraries that are around and picking stuff up. I just, um, Greg put me on to it just we, as a follow-up item and totally off topic, but 
Um, uh, I remember coming out of an interview kind of all in a fog sort of saying, how do I, how do I get my head wrapped around this stuff? And, and it was about algorithms. And um, I asked Greg about it and he recommended a book called, what's it called again? The uh, Algorithm Design Manual, yeah. I believe it's called. Or, uh, yeah. Anyway, so I just picked that up yesterday. It was on sale at a press. So for 10, 10 bucks US, I think, or 20 bucks US. But anyway, um, <laughs> oh, somebody's hitting the keyboard. That was me. Sorry. <laughs> anyway, so um, yeah, um, so I'll, I'll let you know if I come across anything that sort of uh, hammers down. I mean, because you know we did the Swift Apprentice uh, book uh, recently that Greg was the lead editor on, our final pass editor, and um, there's been a number of other titles coming from. I think there was I saw one from O'Reilly the other day, and a few others where they're talking about programming and using Swift as a language in the same sense that we did the mm-hmm. Swift Apprentice. So there are going to be more. I'm sure there's going to be more titles coming out in the in the next. I know that Big Nerd Ranch has a bunch of books coming out in the middle of December that are basically updates to their existing libraries for iOS. Um, that specifically are. I, I, I'm cross fingers, hope to die that they're they're writing them in Swift, right? So. Oh God, no! Of course not. Yeah, um, I think we can. It's fair to say that the momentum behind Swift is insurmountable. Like, yeah, um, nobody's going to be talking seriously now about whether Swift is going to make it or not. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. here to stay, baby, and you got to get on the train. Yeah, and it's sort of where you. I mean, yeah, it's it, uh, somebody asked me the other day where I was with Swift, and and um, sort of I'm sort of halfway through there. I, you know, I really like it, but I tend to fall back to Objective C because of old habits, right? So, but we're still waiting on open source mm. Swift. Which is supposed to happen by the end of the year, and here we are. It's December now, kids. December thirty first. Getting a little anxious. Christmas present. I hope it happens. Star Wars and a little bit of real time follow up. I missed idiomaticswift.com by just two weeks. Someone registered it two weeks ago. Yeah, I know. Somebody probably listened to the the podcast two weeks ago and and grabbed it. fan of the show or someone just independently. I'm gonna do a who is. Oh, it's got the domain privacy, I don't know who it is. It could get idiomaticswift.io. That's way cooler, isn't it? Or .ca. Come on. Mm. I like the .co, actually. That one I'm I'm a fan of. Yeah. Yeah? How much do they cost? (laughs) I can get that for a dollar, Mark. I I should probably just do it, shouldn't I? Yeah, there you go. Yeah. Yeah. XYZ? Seriously? XYZ. If you go to uh, namecheap.com, they've been having a sale on it. I think I got one free, actually. I got got, like gregheo.xyz for for free, I think. Mm. But now they're a dollar. XYZ. What's it going to be next year when you go to renew it, though? That's Fifteen bucks, not bad. Yeah, no, that's not no, bad. That's yeah. fine. Well, the dot coms are like eleven or something, so it's it's close enough. I'll think about mm-hmm. it. Yep. Is there a dot book? I'll mm-hmm. look at that on my own time. There's got to be. There's like dot website. <laughs> there's dot all this crazy stuff. Oh, dot, dot site. Mm-hmm. Isn't there are. a dot sexy? I think it's just dot sex. I don't know. That doesn't show up on X. this list. Uh, dot mm-hmm. link. There's a new one like that this is called a tangent folks the, the food listening at home you can cut all this out that's yeah. okay the, driving driving in your yeah. cars he's not going to cut it out this link won't be in the show notes dot sexy is an active show. tld and it uh are they expensive are they like a hundred dollars uh, or something is it one of those ones they came out in 2013 i i'm looking at a wikipedia entry that's the and it doesn't talk uh, about okay. pricing so. why don't <laughs> anyway, you tell us about sketch or something Aaron? yeah let's yeah. talk about sketch much Great. more interesting give her so this is I think it's the most crippling blow that the Mac App Store has ever suffered. You think? How's that? How's that? Yeah, I think. Well, because yeah, it's like it's like the the Adobe Photoshop of Mac of the apps. Mac App Store. I mean, Apple yeah. even yeah. provides like, we've, stuff we've in Sketch format, other... right? The watch templates. I yes, think. Yeah. there's that. Yeah, that's right. Um, but it's it's bigger than that because you know we lost 
BB Edit. <laughs> we Apple the Mac App Store lost BB Edit and lost Coda. Those are the two big, you know, ones that were there and that they left. You know, very high profile apps, right? Um, but they they were longtime independent third party apps before the App Store showed up, even. So Sketch, on the other hand, is a poster child for the Mac App Store. It is a perfect app for the Mac App Store. It, it, it doesn't do any kind of uh, outside-the-sandbox shenanigans. It is, you know, sort of part of that movement, if you will, uh, that, you know, the iOS app store sort of began of, you know, simple, simple single-focused, uh, one-window applications. And, you know, it came out in this era. So, and and has been enormously successful, as we know, you know. And they charge a real price for it. You know, it's $80, I think. Something like that. And, you know, it's it's not a, a, a 99-cent app by any stretch. It's It's the real deal. And so yep. um, having them leave the store is a terrible indictment of the Mac App Store and everything that's been going wrong with it that we've we have been talking about of late. And uh, seeing this happen, uh, you know, I think if, if anything can shake Apple's confidence and get them to do something different with it, this is going to be it, mm-hmm. right? And we may not see the results of this, uh, you know, next week, <laughs> um, but uh, perhaps by next June, WWDC, uh, there, there may finally be changes to the Mac App Store uh, because it's this has gone on too long. Um, there's been a lot of great commentary uh, since since this happened, and we've got a link here to the MacWorld article, which sort of talks about. Uh, this is Rob Griffiths, another noted columnist uh, in MacWorld and elsewhere, uh, talking about what can happen or what Apple can do to make it a, a more compelling marketplace for for apps. Um, and many of which will prob- they'll probably never do, right? <laughs> uh, they're not really known for making, you know, significant differences uh, to the platform, you know, especially policy decisions. Will they allow refunds, demos, paid upgrades? Uh, or even, you know, maybe what they'll do, and I can imagine this, is finally bring parity to the Mac App Store with the iOS App Store, right? Which is a huge problem. Things like test flight not being available, app analytics, using videos. You can't use videos on the Mac app store. But then the sandbox as well, you know, is, is a huge crippling issue. And it just makes, you know, a whole class of apps that simply will never be able to be in the Mac app store. And it, this actually puts me in mind of the of the iOS app store too, especially with uh, the iPad Pro having come out recently. And we've been talking about how there needs to be a higher class of app for mm-hmm. the iPad Pro, right? And uh, at that time, I'm sorry, I don't remember where I read it from. Somebody was proposing changes to the iOS app store um, about how to make it better, uh, more suitable to, you know, professional level developers who want to bring, you know, bigger apps to the iPad Pro. And they proposed allowing uh, developers to sideload apps onto there and um, using Gatekeeper, right? So Gatekeeper is a technology that Apple has, which allows apps outside of the app store on the Mac to be signed by the developer and so right. you know that it's a legit app and at any time if there's if there is a fraud issue or you know some kind of malware uh situation on your app apple can revoke your certificate and it will no longer run on your mac um you know we saw that actually with their big stink day uh, <laughs> the other week um <laughs> not intentionally but that was, yeah demo- demoing the technology that was a demonstration <laughs> of the technology yeah here's what we can we can we can just yank that app right off your computer um exactly. So um, I think that's a wonderful idea. And I mean, it almost feels inevitable in a way. Like think, think 10 years from now, okay? That's a long time, right? <laughs> yeah. um, like if the iPad is going to be a serious platform going forward that everybody's going to use, doesn't it seem like it has to allow arbitrary apps? 
if the App Store is the only way to get apps, that feels like an extremely limited marketplace to right. me. Like you know, from a from a business perspective, it, it just I don't know. I don't I don't have a good argument for this. It just feels wrong. <laughs> I would like to see that, but in the Mac App Store, there's clearly work that Apple could do, and we're going to know if if I would say if by WWDC we don't see anything, then we can know for sure that Apple doesn't give a crap about the Mac App Store. What would you say for odds, Aaron? I'm pretty pessimistic, but what are the odds that there's going to be a Mac App Store announcement, let's say even from now until, maybe it'll be early, right? But say now until WWDC day one or day two, what do you think the odds are that we're going to see something? I would say like, uh, you know, 60%. Better than than even odds then, you're saying? Better than half, yes. Better than even, yeah. That they'll announce improvements. Yeah, I don't know what they'll be, but... I would I would say that there's maybe a sixty percent chance that there there will be improvements by June. That that seems pretty optimistic to me, uh, knowing how big companies work. Uh, if if they're right now, if if someone high up is saying at Apple, just this is a hypothesis or, or you know, a drum in whatever. Uh, if someone right now is saying, oh look at that, you know all these people are leaving the App Store, we better fix we better fix this. Mm-hmm. And goes into work tomorrow and starts gathering people up and saying, "How are we going to fix this?" Even if they do that tomorrow, the chances of of them re- <clears throat> releasing something by June are are really slim. Something of that magnitude. Yeah, my my, uh, I sort of in the same way think that because the 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 Mac is able to run software from so many different places and as a legacy product. I mean, the Mac App Store is kind of a it's something they were tri- that they tried out. It's not like iTunes where you're locked in sort of thing. Well, even even with iTunes, you can still get music onto your onto your Macs and your devices that don't necessarily come from the iTunes Store, right? You can still buy ebooks and EPUB books uh, and Mobi books um, from other sites as well. So, in the same sense that the Mac App Store because because how you get software on your Mac, you can get it in any number of ways and and you know it's sort of proof that Coda having left or Panic having left and BBED having left and and now Sketch that there just because there's a Mac App Store doesn't mean you're locked into d- delivering product that way. It does make it a lot easier for people to put software on their their devices. But um, I think people are tend will tend to go to Google and try and search around for for software as it is, right? So yeah, and Apple's got a roadmap that has to go out years of, of yeah. what they're going to build and what they're going to work on. And unless something has a, a real business impact, it's it's pretty hard to change something. At least something of this magnitude. If it's a small thing, sure. But but this is a pretty big thing. An app store is a pretty big thing. So so if you I don't know I don't know what the numbers are, but if you figure that the the percentage of Apple's revenue from the Mac App Store is in the let's say the low digit percentages at best, uh, probably not even that high, then it's it's probably not even on anyone's radar screen. I would think too that in the Apple probably would have liked as part of their their plan. I would surmise that they would want it, they wanted people like Adobe and Microsoft to come onto the Mac App Store at some level, right? I mean, even their own apps like with with uh, Final Cut and and Logic being really expensive apps before the Mac App Store came along. Um, you know, I think Final Cut was one of the first one went from twelve hundred dollars to like three hundred dollars. You know, once it hit the App Store. Mac App Store. Um, I think that if 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 players like Adobe, uh, similar to the way that Omni has done, you know, I believe Omni's on the App Store, right? Mac App Store. Um, but in the ways that those bigger publishers, if they had come on to the the Mac App Store, that would have would have 
put some serious impetus behind Apple to make sure it worked properly. But I'll bet you the reasons why they didn't come on was because of the way that Apple sort of dictates that they're going to take 30% cut and, you know, no, no demos, no trials. That's probably, probably was a, a thing that ended it. Right. So. But, you know, it's funny, though, but recently I've been using some some apps that have trial versions that you download and you run on your Mac. And then if you like it, you go back to the Mac App Store and buy them. So unlike the iOS uh, platform, it's possible to do that right on the Mac. That's true. That is true. Yeah. You know, and developers often uh, are on both, you know, the Mac App Store and on, you know, direct download from their websites. Yeah, yeah. You know. Um, so it's a choice you make. I'd be curious to see how the numbers play out in that in that sense. Like, if, some, if a publisher, uh, a Mac app publisher, was produ- you know putting stuff on the store, and then like BB Edit may be a case in point where I, I'm not sure if you, at that point in time you could you could still buy BB Edit outside the Mac App Store as well as in the Mac App Store, right? Yeah, there was when they were in the App Store, they were of course always have always been uh, yeah. direct download available. Yeah, so that that they they may have sort of a better feel for how that kind of played out. Mind you, though, I mean, BBS kind of a I don't know, it's a developer tool in my opinion. But, but I mean, so um, is Sketch, isn't it? That's the thing that I'm seeing is that all these apps that we're talking about, yeah. Coda, BB Edit, Sketch, even so, yeah. they're like stuff that you know, like Mac developers buy. Well, and, and so that's an interesting question because because I I talk to a lot of developers all the time, and I've I've been using Photoshop since since the beginning, right? And I, and I to this day still use Photoshop. Um, and a lot of developers have been telling me, oh, you should switch over to Sketch, you should switch over to Sketch. So do you not think that Sketch has, does Sketch not have any, any functionality outside of developing apps? I mean, like, do Illustrator Of course it does, it? yes. No, Sketch is a yeah. general purpose design tool. Yeah. Um, so. And it's it's not just used by developers by any stretch. It's used right. by tons of designers. But was it, UI only, designers. was it only available in the Mac App Store up until this announcement? Yes. Okay, okay. That is my understanding. Right, right. Um, actually, I could be totally wrong. I don't know. <laughs> well, I'll um, but I'm pretty sure as as a user coming at it from being a staunch Adobe Photoshop user and a staunch Illustrator user, if Sketch left the Mac App Store and was able to, I was able to download a, a two week trial. I, I sure would take it out for a try, right? Right. If, it, if it's on the Mac App Store and I got to pay eighty bucks for it, I'm not about to just go and try it for eighty bucks or one hundred and thirty Canadian, or whatever. as yeah. the case may be. Yeah, yeah. They helpfully con- converted yeah. to Canadian. Nice. Mostly, yeah. yeah I, like I don't see Apple saying, "Oh no, another app left." The, like. I'm trying to think of what a good example here is, but again, I, I mean, I'm just calling it a developer tool in the sense that it's a tool yeah. that people who yeah. make apps like to use. Not solely. I mean, I don't talk to people who do print design or whatever, so maybe they use it too. I don't know. But that's the kind of thing that I'm thinking, it just doesn't bother Apple. Cause I'm just looking at the top charts here, and there's a bunch of games and disk tools and um, FaceTime. I didn't know FaceTime was a paid app. When did that happen? But anyway, FaceTime is on there for 99 cents <laughs> for the Mac. Wow. And Roller Coaster Tycoon and uh, some Netflix apps and things like that. But yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I just don't see it as a, a panic. Like, oh, my God, let's schedule a meeting tomorrow. Sketch left the store. When BB Edit left the store. When Coda left the store. I just see Apple saying, ah, that's yeah. developer people. They it's- probably bought it from direct from the people anyway. And I don't know. Right. But at the risk of using one of Aaron's favorite words, I mean, it's not like the Mac App Store has disrupted the software right. sales, yeah. right? In the same right. way that it, it, it's ha- had an impact on, on music with iTunes or, you know, it, it hasn't had an impact on books either, you know, for that matter with the iBook store. But 
Um, yeah, it's not like like the again because the big players didn't come on board and they couldn't you know like that that that's certainly a thing where, where Apple's probably turned their attention away from it. It's like I think we joked about it last was it Mac Up where we were talking about that it became some sort of intern project at some point. <laughs> yeah, it's like an intern summer, right? When the summer was over and the intern yeah. leaves, and it's like nobody's looking after it. Yeah, yeah, I, I was, totally yeah. believe that. I, uh, a couple more things, or or it could be completely the opposite that someone high enough up has enough vested in this that they're battling they're to it, keep it keeping, alive and keep yeah. it going. Yeah. And for political reasons, it can't be touched. I'd say that's more likely, <laughs> given the way big companies work. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But it, but it's interesting that like you know it, it, we've been watching the Mac App Store Exodus for what almost a year now, I guess, right? Thereabouts, yeah. But how many? What we don't know necessarily is how many new apps are showing up in the in the Mac App Store. Uh, we know for, we know for one. That leaves. We know one. Yeah. Right. 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 And it's very easy for someone to put up a you know, a PowerPoint slide or sorry a keynote slide that shows <laughs> that shows that yeah five uh, five apps left this month and five hundred came in so that's a pretty good number. Right or so yeah. whatever, whatever the number. I did see some discussion amongst uh, on the Twitter verse about um, the fact that some people were saying that that having left the, the Mac App Store, it, it is a lot of work to run your own sort of commerce uh, system and mm-hmm. things like that, and, and distribution system as well for yeah. your own apps. I mean, yeah. credit to I don't know if it's credit to Sketch for sure, but I think what doesn't look good for the Mac App Store is how easy it was to move licenses. So licenses over, right? You just start right, up the app, right. and it's like, oh, you've already bought the Mac App Store version. What's your email address? All right. And then they email you a license right away. Was it that simple? Do you know? Yeah, yeah it was that, that I simple. Did so oh, did I don't know if it's the Mac wow. App Store has a great API or obviously Sketch, they know what they're doing over there. But to make it that well, it's, easy it's to do, I think, does not also bode well. If people see, wow, Sketch did it so well, so smooth, I could just leave the store too and do that, you know? But uh, you could argue that Sketch is uniquely positioned to be able to do, not yeah. totally mm-hmm. uniquely, but, but fairly uniquely positioned to do this because they do have the volume yeah. they have. And mm-hmm. they can afford to to uh, to set up their own system. Whereas if you're if you're only selling a few copies a day, uh, then you can't necessarily put the 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 money into building your own secure payment system mm-hmm. or whatever it is yeah. you have to do. Uh, to you can't amortize the cost over over a million sales. You have to amortize it over ten sales mm-hmm. or whatever, and it's not worth it. Mm-hmm. I have one more thing that I tweeted that from earlier um i was trying to i bought quiver the editor for programmers because it was on sale for two dollar tuesday or something like that uh, anyway so mm-hmm. i was like oh i've got to make a referral link so i can click on my own referral link and then buy the app of course right so i go to the itunes link maker <laughs> with my affiliate code and you, you can search and pick which store and you pull down the thing i put it i put the link to my tweet in the notes there um, under Aaron's sketch yeah. leaving the app store. And so I sure. you know, want to search. I put in the name Quiver, and you look at media type, and it's got Apple Music, audiobooks, books, Connect. That's the Apple Music Connect. iOS apps, music, movies, podcasts, TV shows. I'm like, where's where's Mac apps? You cannot search for Mac apps oh, in the, the iTunes store. link maker. Huh. You cannot, that, this is just the generic, like, I want to, not even for affiliates, I want to make a link, like, not with the U.S. in the URL. Like, you can make those global links. And I use this, but you cannot search for a Mac app to link for it, link to it anymore. Searching for it in this yeah. iTunes thing, Mac apps do not even exist. It's not even a category. Yeah. Wow. Yep. There you go. Did you have you tried this Quiver thing? I'm looking at it here. It looks. Yeah, it looks kind of Evernote-ish, you know. And but it has inline Markdown and uh, LaTeX support because I do enjoy writing tech every once in a while. And uh, yeah, I haven't actually. I just bought it and I launched it once. And I think I have to connect it to because it's just file based. So they're like put the file 
I think it's like a a bundle, like a package, and they say put it on Dropbox mm-hmm. or iCloud Drive or whatever other shared oh, file thing that you use, and that's how you get sync working. So I'm like, that's fine. But yeah, it looks cool enough, and that's how I get the sync. But my only issue is then I won't awesome. be able to edit stuff Should on the uh, on iOS because I don't think there's an iOS version of it. So I do like Evernote and things like that. I was just about to ask yeah. that. Yeah. This is the programmer's notebook you're talking about, right? Yeah, Quiver. Yeah. Quiver, the programmer's notebook. I was thinking um, of making my pick, but I haven't actually used it, so I can't say anything to it. But it was like $2, so I bought it, and uh, I'll try it out. Yeah, come $2. back and report. $1.99, man. Two twenty nine. It looks like you can only buy it on the uh, Mac App yes. Store. There is a free trial that you when can you, download. Just 10 minutes ago, Aaron, when you said, or somebody, or maybe it was Tim, said you can download the app. There are apps where you download the app as a trial, and then they send you to the Mac App Store. I almost thought he was talking about this, because that's exactly what they do. Yeah, Because I, I, I mean, yeah. I like buying apps direct from the company if i can i i would i'm actually i nowadays i prefer not to go through the mac app store because you know they get more money too supposedly right really? well no that's true no it's true like if they sell the same app uh, the, the app for the same yeah. price well, i think directly they have to, right? on the they app can't store sell they... it for cheaper mm-hmm. on their own site isn't there a regulation uh, for that they, you know there used to be but i don't think they're okay. sticking to okay. that now for whatever reason because i've seen things cost more in the app store to account for that interesting than... interesting i guess you could just um, especially like subscriptions or service yeah. fees um mm, purchase okay. type stuff yeah i've, I've just got it here now and, and you're right uh, to buy it you have to get it from the app store but the free trial is yeah you just download the trial so anyway it was on sale so i bought it with my affiliate link but see and, that... uh, so i'll get whatever two cents back yeah, see, it would be cool if, we, if, again, on the iOS on the iOS store, we've lamented this for a long time, if we could do the same sort of thing, have a trial version of our app install on people's devices, and we might get a few sales yeah. out of it, right? So, mm, Yeah. Let's go around the table, as we usually do, and see if anybody has a pick, and let's stop at Aaron. Oh, thanks for asking, Tim. You know what? I do have a pick tonight. Well, there you go. It's Realm. No way. 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 Give Realm. Her- okay. Realm.io is the home of everyone's, well, okay, nobody's favorite database for mobile platforms. I thought you were going to say everybody's conference videos for a second. Yeah, exactly. That's right. Yeah. (laughs) And by the way, if you're listening, Realm, can you switch your video hosting back to YouTube? (laughs) Because your your Wistia solution is kind of pissing me off. Did you not Uh, get that working? No. Uh. No, I don't have it working yet. Um, it's frustrating because it was working. And, you know, like a lot of my customers from Magpie tend to look at videos on Realm's site because they're very good. And uh, so now all of a sudden Magpie can't pick out their videos. Because they're in Wistia. Because they're in Wistia. And th- um, this is that side-by-side where they have the slides on the one side and, and the yeah, video on the other? Well, Wistia, yeah, Wistia is a video hosting platform. And actually, the thing that um, Realm does is that they, they have JavaScript that um, on load after the site or the page is loaded, it brings in the video along with a slideshow thing. Uh, right. And so if you just parse the URL, you're not going to get the video. Um, I don't want to go off on the beaten so, path so, here. But... So if, if they went back to YouTube, we would lose the, we would lose the, the side-by-side video thing? No, no. So oh. they, they were using YouTube, and the, the trick was, as a Magpie user, if you wanted to grab the video, yeah. you, you had to click on the YouTube video itself to go to its youtube.com page. Oh, okay, right, yeah. From whence you could get the video using Magpie. Mm. But because it does this post-load drop-in video embed thing, um, you could not get it directly from their page. And now that it's on Wistia, you cannot click the Wistia video and go to some Wistia page and collect it. Uh, it doesn't work anymore. Right, right. I'm, but that's not what we're talking about. Rim no, not even close. It's You guys brought it up. It's your fault. <laughs> 
Not my fault. I'm innocent. Yeah. Realm is a database for mobile, okay? So uh, I started a new project for a client um, into my third week now out of four Woo-hoo. weeks. And I must tell you, I'm doing amazing. Um, <laughs> client is so happy. He's crapping his pants all the time. Got to get all new pants. It depends. And so, yeah, basically, might as well invest in those. Um, so here's the thing. I, I was uh, putting together this prototype, and it came up again, as it always does. What am I going to do for my persistence layer? And um, I really don't want to be spending too much time messing around with it. And so, of course, when the notion of core data comes up, you know, I just do this inward groan. I'm like, oh, God, I do not want to be writing all this core data code. You know, the persistent store coordinator and the goddamn persistent store and the mocks. And the... No, I don't want to do that. I want to try something do- different. And, um, you know, having heard about Realm for some time now, I thought this was the project that I want to give it a shot in. And uh, the experience has been almost, almost totally positive. Uh, it's, been, it's been very good. There's a little bit of a learning curve, uh, but their documentation is actually pretty darn good. You go through and uh, use their, uh, the documentation to learn how to set up your connection to a Realm uh, database, if you want to call it that. They have this... Uh, a nice little functional Mac app that can let you browse the database um, on your on your Mac. All right. So, like, if you're if you're running the Realm using app in the simulator, you can go onto the hard drive and open up the Realm uh, database file in this app that they provide, mm-hmm. and you can actually see your data. Nice. Cool. You know, it's not going to win any awards, for goodness sake, but it, it definitely works, and you can just make sure that you can see that all your data is actually going in there and doing what it's supposed to do. Uh, doing things like uh, creating model objects, um, creating relationships between them so that you can have uh, one-to-one, one-to-many. Um, I haven't tried many-to-many because, you know, it's just a prototype app. And uh, getting it all working pretty much out of the box and without requiring too much code either. It was really straightforward. There are a couple of uh, concepts that you have to learn. Uh, the concept of, um, a, of a relation uh, is uh, implemented through a structure called a list. Uh, and uh, so you ha- have to, like, if you've got something that's related to another thing, like you've got, um, you know, categories and category items, then category items is going to be of type list. And so you have to do something like that. And so you've got uh, queries and another type, the results. And so when you get back a result, it is of type results, and you have to translate that. And that, those two concepts, the list and the results, I found required a little, you know, changing the gears in my head to get over and understand how it was going. And um, once I did, very straightforward, like really straightforward. Um, I was super pleased. Uh, one thing I have not yet tackled, uh, but have kind of run into, but doesn't really count now because it's just a prototype again, uh, is the concept of migrations. Uh, like in core data, when you make a change to your, um, your data structure, you have to do a migration from one version to the other. Realm has a similar concept. So if you've got an application in production and you make a change to the data model, mm-hmm. um, you have to write code to migrate to that no- uh, next version, right? Um, and I haven't actually gotten into that. Like, I've just told my client to delete the app and reinstall it, right? Because okay. um, we're just prototyping here. It's all good. <laughs> um, right. But uh, that is something that you're going to have to deal with if you're, if you're doing that in production. So um, on the whole, though, I'm really super impressed. You know, one of the big things about Realm is that it is fast, supposedly very fast. Um, but, 
yeah, you know, it's a small app and doesn't have a ton of data. So I'm not really mm-hmm. testing that, you know, um, I would say that it just works and it works very well uh, as an alternative to core data. Uh, it's really doing the job for me, but I'm not really pushing it at this point. Right. But I will say that uh, there's a lot less overhead than using core data. So uh, I'm pretty pleased with it right now. Is it thread safe? What isn't thread safe these days? Core data. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, apparently it is thread safe. I am uh, just looking at that right now, actually. I guess not, because I've been doing most of my stuff uh, on the data model in the main thread. And uh, so they've got references here to dispatching on the main queue here to run uh, a query operation on their database. The main restriction is that you can only use an object on the thread which it was created on. Mm-hmm. On on the thread which it was created on. Okay, they, they have a typo in there, or a grammar error in their sentence, but... Yeah, yeah, that's okay. Let it go. <laughs> um, so no, I guess it's not thread safe in that sense, is it? Yeah. Because you've got to watch out for that. Like you can only operate on the same uh, objects on the same thread. Right. And so if right. you if you have to go across threads, then you have to persist it to the database by doing a write operation. Right. So yeah. So that and that's that that's like core data. There's some things that you can't do that you that you can do with with core data. For example, like syncing. Syncing with some service on a background thread, uh, and then uh, and then pulling the changes into your main thread, sort of all at all at once, with a private queue concurrency, that kind of stuff. Right. Um, I do that kind of stuff a lot. So not work for me, but it might work for other people. I'm also a Realm fan, but yeah, it's Aaron's pick, so I'll let him talk. No, I've already talked. You got to throw your two bits in. Yeah, you got to be behind me. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Listen, no, folks. How does that affect the gamer up? community? <laughs> well, folks, let me tell you something. Especially you in the car right now, driving. Uh, uh, no, no, Ron gets a thumbs up for me, too. It's just so much simpler, as Aaron said. When you sit down and you, you say, should I use the core data template or should I do it myself? Because mm-hmm. I don't want all that crap in there. Mm-hmm. And you think, oh, persistent store coordinator. And then you just, you know... It's just, I don't know, it's not always nice to set up. But anyway, Realm is just much simpler. And if it is a prototype kind of an app, then I think getting up and running is as It was as a no-brainer. Yeah. Is, yeah, it's just so much easier to do it. And, hmm. I mean, a lot of, if, you know, social proof means, I mean, a lot of big companies are also using Realm in their apps. And yeah. There's yeah. a bunch of lists. I, I don't know. I know a few, but I don't know if it's public or not. But you can look on their website, and they, they have a bunch of very well-known company logos on there so it is yeah. well-known battle tested and all of that and it's just easy to get set up and running and i do appreciate the realm browser that you mentioned aaron because with core data I, there are third-party core data tools yes. usually i just drop down i just print out the sqlite file and i use the command line to do it and just look browse through but it's just, yeah. it's just not formatted nicely mm-hmm. hard True. to see relationships and whatnot so the browser is a definite plus too mark i've put a link in there to the documentation uh section on threading uh, for Realm, so you okay. can read those three paragraphs yeah. and get a sense of what the lay of the land is. This it does remind me of um, the the last job I had with a client, uh, which was a huge app uh, that that ran on core data, and I had to rewrite that all all the core data infrastructure, um, which was just a nightmare. But uh, so I I understand the threading issues that you're talking about. It's yeah. You know, it, we you asked the question, and I was like, "Bah!" Because I, I, my app, my app was so small that it was not a question that occurred to me. Like, I'm not doing anything um, off the main thread um, mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. it is so limited. But, um, yep. but yes, brilliant question, of course, uh, super important, um, and especially Ooh. in large scale projects, right? 
Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, yeah, my in my experience, I don't have the answer to that question. Yeah. I feel like a dick. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Um. Yeah. I so I thought it was a softball question. I thought it was going to that was going to be a big advantage. Of oh yeah, because... threat safe. Totally. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. Um, no, it's not as simple as that. There, there was another um, database application or a, a mobile friendly database that I was looking at, and oh, what was the name? I think we talked about it a, a few shows ago. No, I, I remember you were you were no, not Couchbase. Firebase. No, not Firebase. You know the T. T. L. I don't know. L? You tweeted about it. You asked it. I, you yeah. threw a question out there at one point. Oh, I wish um, iOS mobile database. I think it's um, open source. Yeah, I'm just going to look at Google and see if it tells me. Oh, Realm. You ever heard of that one? Yeah. <laughs> <sighs> oh, yes, I know about MySQL. Come on. Crazy. Well, if I think about it, and the the thing is, is that um, I was seriously considering that database, but uh, it seemed to, you know, with the whatever whatever it was, <laughs> uh, it had a much bigger uh, learning curve, you know, to get get up and running with it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Kind of turned me off a bit, but it its benefit was that uh, it didn't have migrations. It, uh, it it was totally thread safe, um, but it was a key value store uh, as opposed to like a full blown database like Realm is. Hmm. Um, curses. I wish I could remember the name. Okay, you guys go on and talk, and I'm going to noodle this one. Come up with that name. Um, so, Greg, do you have a pick? I do have a pick, and it's a code-related pick, sort of based on uh, yet another talk at Swift Summit, but one of the gentlemen speaking there was speaking about a futures library that he had written for Swift, and he had a blog post about what's it called Asynchronous Values as First-Class Citizens in Swift. I think part of the nice thing about Swift is you can mess around with operator overloading and make your own operators and things like that. And um, anyway, it's just this blog post about a nicer way to deal with asynchronous data in Swift rather than saying, I'm going to wrap this in a, or I'm going to need a completion block and that's going to have a completion block, that's going to have a completion block and sort of how to get around that and make Swift syntax a little bit nicer to deal with that kind of thing. And then there's also a futures library, which makes it even nicer so instead of having that sort of pyramid of doom style of a completion block inside the completion block and then checking for errors in like the very very last time about sort of wrapping that down and passing around these futures future objects i don't know if you pluralize that or not futures objects and then dealing with them you know do they have a value yet or not and then but sort of having that all together in one block or in one object or in one instance that kind of thing so anyway it's a blog post and a swift library for you to Check out if that kind of thing sounds interesting. Do you have a reference to that, Greg? Uh, what do you mean a reference? Uh, a link? A link? Oh, yeah, it's in the document. Notes? I can post oh, it the in, the, uh, oh, okay. post in the thing. And um, I'll drop in uh, my link to the alternative I was thinking of, and it's Yap Database. Oh, mm. it's not what I would have thought. I don't think I've heard of that. It's kind of like now. <laughs> oh, totally, yes. If you Except turn a Y upside down, you know, it's like a, it's like a <laughs> lambda. So I think that's what you meant by L. Yeah. <laughs> Like a Z versus Z kind of thing, or something mm. like that, right? Yeah, or Canadian X versus thing. ten. Oh, I don't know. The last thing in Yap database on the readme there, Aaron, it says oh? a simple to use Objective C API means you'll be up and running in no time. So it's Objective yeah, C. Yeah, uh, it is. You're right. And I thought that there was a Swift version or branch on this thing. I mean, I'm sure. No, I don't you see know, it. Objective C APIs are great in Swift, so I'm sure it's. I'm sure. So it's, that's a good question. Great. Are you running your your prototype app in Swift, Aaron? Yes. Oh, okay. That, all that, Swift, that, all the time. That would be another selling point, I suppose, as well. 
Yeah, yeah. Of the branch. Yeah, yeah Realm has a, a Swift a Realm, um, Realm. SDK. So, uh, yeah, you're right, Greg. Uh, Yap does not have a Swift um, version of it. But you can still call it from Swift. I don't of wanna, course you can. I don't want yeah, to turn actually. all those Swift people away from it, just in case. It's still, uh, <laughs> yeah. You can still use it. Although, you know, having said that, you know, uh, when I'm looking to get code samples or uh, bring in libraries, which I sometimes do to my projects, uh, I definitely hesitate to bring in the Objective-C ones because uh, it means i got to bring up the bridging header and set up mm-hmm. the project to use it. And um, I know it's not a huge big deal, but to me it feels like just enough friction to make me want to do something in Swift instead. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, the Realm people are very heavily into Swift as well, which is always a good sign. Oh, yes, of course. Uh, so, yeah. They're a very progressive developer mm-hmm. community there. Uh, yeah, Canadians obviously. there, that's why. Are there? Yeah. I thought they were in San Francisco. Oh, they are, but, you know, I think they have a few Canadian people there. <laughs> <laughs> they're, they're, they're Canadian at heart. <laughs> okay. Interesting. So my pick is actually technology I wanted to talk about last week, but we didn't get around to it. And uh, it follows up on what we've been talking about for the last little while, and that is the app, uh, iPad Pro. And <laughs> so initially, you know, when I when I first started looking at this kind of stuff, I got this, I thought, hey, well, what about running apps for iPad Pro, and and how does the pencil come into play? I think Aaron, you sort of mentioned we were, I lamented again that I haven't heard back from from fifty three about uh, their API, so uh, or their SDK. Um, so I started looking around for stuff on Pencil, and I found this uh, blog post by Russ, Russ Bishop, uh, who is now currently working on uh, supporting the um, UI Touch uh, dot stylus. He talks about the, as of 9.1, we have three, now, three types of touch. We have direct touch, indirect touch. So direct touch is the classic stuff. The indirect touch is, is using Siri Remote, Apple TV kind of stuff. And stylus, was, which was added in 9.1 to support the Apple Pencil. And there's a good um, WWDC talk on um, advanced touch input in iOS. And that's where I got a lot of the numbers I was talking about last week, where I talked about the um, iPad Air 2 having a 60 hertz touch refresh rate. And, oh, sorry, uh, other devices have 60 hertz. iPad 2 Air 2 had added 120 hertz uh, touch refresh rate. And now the iPad Pro has an even higher one of 240. uh, uh, hertz touch rate scan rate and th- how that applies is is in a couple of principles involved in um, using touch uh, to, to k- estimate where the user is going with their stroke uh, or with their gesture um, and uh, predicting where they're going to end up and as well the resolution of the the actual uh, points on the on the curve that they when they're rendering or drawing or just even moving their finger where it's going to go, you have more points of resolution to deal with, so you can have a fun, you can have more artistic strokes, if you will, or you can have a much more a predictive um, gesture. And um, so it's kind of cool. And he references the there's a, um, a some code a code example from Apple uh, called Touch Canvas, which you can download and, and build. And I've built it onto my iPad Pro to play around with the pens and, and things that I've got here. Um, and it's cool. It's just sort of, so. This uh, link here in the show notes will be for um, Russ's uh, post on the, on using or implementing UI Touch using Stylus now in your apps. Cool. Very cool. Um, as well, there was something else. Yeah, no, I talked about the advanced app thing. So it's kind of cool. Yeah, it's, it's sort of a new paradigm in 
in how we interface with our devices. And, and oh, and just as a, uh, I think I mentioned it earlier in the show, but um, and Aaron's been asking me to try this. So I went back to the Apple Store uh, this last couple of days, like on Friday, I was there. I was on my way to an interview, so I, I um, stopped in at the App Store to ask if they had app, any Apple pencils. And you're right, they have been coming, they have been trickling into into the Toronto App Stores. Um, but according to the, the red shirts that I spoke to, they basically said um, that uh, that they were selling out like in 30 minutes if they came in. So I don't know if there's like a bunch of people standing around the the store or they're being bought by scalpers or something or whatever. <laughs> I also wonder too, like, do the red shirts get killed after their shift is over? But um, anyway, so I, I kept going. I stopped back in again on my way back, and then I went on. on I went. We were my wife and I were there on Sunday, and so we stopped in and asked them again. And um, uh, she went to Sherry Gardens and Square One, and and uh, even up to the Fairview Mall, which are like the four main. There's one more Apple Store in our neighborhood or our area. Um, yeah, Markville is the other one. Markville? Yorkdale. Yorkdale. Did you not yeah. say Yorkdale? Oh, I thought you no, said No, I didn't. Yorkdale. No, I said Square One, Sherway, uh, Fairview. Yeah, Yorkdale has one, and there's one out in Burlington, I believe. And there's, isn't there one in Scarborough as well? Like, uh, no, I Scarborough, doubt it. Scarborough Come on, Center? Scarborough. Fairview is the <laughs> most eastward. Oh, they have one. an Android oh. store, the Microsoft store in, in Scarborough Town Center, I guess, right? I don't know. Uh, <laughs> I don't go there. But, I haven't been uh, there in a long time. I don't know. Uh, anyway, so so yeah, apparently they are coming in, but I, like again, it could be like two of them coming in, or it could be ten of them coming in. I don't know how many, or maybe one coming in, and the guy, one of the guys, one of the employees buys it or something. Who knows? Not that they, I'm not saying anything bad about the red shirts. Already did once, but um, yeah. So I, I, I just you know finally gave up and and uh, went on to the Apple Store online and ordered one. I'm going to get it sometime in January if you can believe it. So unless That's I come crazy. across one in the store between now and then, in which case I'll cancel the order. Oh, so, okay. Yeah, so where I was going with this story, I lost my point. I lost my own point was, yes, I did take the Apple Pencil for test drive. And like I said earlier in the show, and, and it right away, um, it's hands down better than the pencil experience as far. It was it was so natural in my hand. Um, it the even pencil by fifty three even the paper app by pen, by fifty three was more responsive. So I think there's a whole lot of stuff going under on under the hood as far as touch is concerned. Maybe all this stuff we're talking about. Yeah, or framework I talked about. Um, the uh, if my verdict is yes, just no question. If you're thinking about buying an Apple Pencil, don't even think anymore. Just lay the credit card down, take my money, do it. Are you going to say something, Aaron? I can't remember. Oh yes, yes. <laughs> it begs the question: Why are they so hard to make? I don't you know. know. We saw the iFixit teardown, right? And yeah, yeah. I posted that. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. Like you know, Apple's good at making miniature things. Like, yeah. I don't understand why this one is tough. Yeah. Does it come with that little half cable? I heard mm. somewhere. I thought I heard somewhere that that was the holdup. Because really, it's no, got no. A, it's got a lightning. No, the connector sticking the connector, out of it. Connector's right on the end of it. Like like right. Uh, but I thought they were selling a thing with a like a short thing with a lightning socket on one end and a USB on the other end, so you could oh, plug I it did. into your computer right. to charge it. I I thought I heard something that they were shipping with that. Well, that maybe maybe for the USC people, right? USB C people, but but. Uh, the funny story is when I got to the, when I got in front of an, uh, an iPad Pro at the store, it was completely dead. It kept rebooting, 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 and the pencil was completely dead. So I raised my hand and said to the guys, "Do you mind if I charge it on my on my iPad?" So and they said, "No problem. Go ahead, try it." So I I actually charged the pencil on my iPad, and it was it was like and it was as simple as connecting the uh, the new Magic Touchpad. Uh, it literally, the pencil kind of just kind of went, Hey, you have a pencil. Cool. We're configured, ready to go. Right. So I waited a few seconds for it to get some juice and then, then I played around with it. But, um, 
Yeah, no, it, as far as I know, it just comes with the pen. I mean, people who have them can let us know, please. But yeah, as far as I know, it just comes with the pencil. And it's, it's, the teardown is kind of cool because if they said in the teardown when they, they got to the logic board, it's like the smallest logic board they've ever seen, which is kind of cool. Folded in half. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. To fit it in there. And then the battery's jammed in there. And, and they literally, like, you know, it, they have a scale of one to 10, you know, one being not repairable to 10 being yeah. super easy. It, like, I think they were hard pressed to give it a one. Right. You know, because they literally had to take a Dremel to take it apart. And yeah, yeah. 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 I'll put a link in the show notes. But yeah, it's funny. It is funny. I, I don't know. Um, there must be one component in there maybe that uh, they're getting from a supplier that they can't produce or something like yeah, that. Yeah. It's funny that we're not hearing anything like that, though. Yeah. Well, there are some there, – there's like they – again, in the teardown, there's like a one little part where it connects to the to, – between the nib itself and, and the, the brains and the battery and stuff. And there, there were some small bits that kind of were casualties when they pulled it apart. And maybe because it's such a small uh, thing they're building, you know. Yeah, I don't know. That could be. Or it's the Phoenix Feathers, like I said last week, right? I really hope also that in time the price comes down, like 100 and, 130 I'm guessing, Canadian. Yeah, um, 145 once you put taxes on. Yikes. You know, for something that you're almost certainly going to lose at some point, yeah, too, or right? Or sit on, or, yeah, exactly. Yeah, or like a lot of misadventure could happen with those things, and uh, they, you know, aside from being difficult to replace now, um, are very expensive. Yeah. Um. So... And and if, especially after the um, support for the pencil comes to other devices, right? Uh, when more people are are able to buy them or use them, rather, you know, like yeah. buying them should be easier. Um, I would love to see it like at fifty dollars mm. U.S. rather than a hundred. Well, that's kind of sort of what I mean. I, I bought my my pencil because it came to, the pencil by fifty three because it came down to fifty bucks. It just happened to be in the store and I saw they were on sale, and so I, I bought it like six months ago, right? Um, mm. But yeah, and, and as you're saying that, I'm thinking, you're th- I'm wondering if my Apple Care on my iPad Pro transfers over to the pencil as well. I can't fathom that. Yeah. They usually do that for like if you bought the computer and a monitor at the same time, well, then they would do it. But I don't could know if I? The pencil. Could I have done that? Could I? Would yeah. I have done that? Well, could if it I? were on the same order, if you had ordered the Pro yeah. and the pencil online and it was on the same invoice, I think sure. that's what they yeah. do it. Yeah. But yeah. Uh, yeah. So what is it like? Thirty nine bucks for Apple Care for the pencil then? <laughs> <laughs> Probably. <laughs> okay, let's button her up. It's unobtainium is what it is. <laughs> I just wanted to point out that three of us will all be in a room next week on Monday hearing wow. about right. the latest Apple TV Woo-hoo! secrets. Toronto, number one, stop number one on the tour. Yeah. Um, uh, so yeah. do you know if how, I guess, we, can we talk about any, are you guys going to be able to talk about any of that stuff or nothing? Uh, I'm pretty sure we're, we'll be under NDA, if I'm not mistaken. That's how it was with the Tech Talks in New York. Because, you know, the SDK is open. It's not under NDA. That's what I was just saying. I know know you can't take pictures and you can't record anything, but stuff that you learn You should tell us right at the very beginning, as I recall, uh, from the talk in New York. Yeah, because, you know, yeah. Again, I don't know that there was really any sort of super-duper secret stuff. I did trade notes with with somebody who went... Because last last time they had it in 2013, they had... You know, you had to choose iOS track or you had to choose game track and you couldn't go to both. Mm-hmm. Um, so I went to the um, I went to the iOS track and uh, Philippe from um, NS North went to the, the game one and we traded notes after. And, you know, two thirds of the notes or two thirds of the presentation were the same. Right. They just broke off and did some game specific stuff. But like, you know, the, the introduction and some of the sort of best practices and stuff in the middle were were the same stuff. Right. Same same thing. So. Well, you can't talk about it anyway because 
Mine's not until the 17th, and I don't want you to spoil the surprise for me. I don't know. Oh. Jaime said, hey, give me all the spoilers. He oh, yeah. asked on Twitter. He wants all the spoilers. So Yeah, yeah. Oh, he said he got in Seattle as well. So, Mark, you're going? Yep, 17th. Oh, oh cool. Mar- he did get in, or he didn't get in? Jaime. Jaime said he got into I Seattle. I think he got a second round one as well or something, yeah, but he yeah, said he, he was said, going. He said, he said oh, he was really? going. Oh, yeah. okay. Hmm. They actually have two here. Uh, it's the same thing, but they're they're doing it two days in a row. That's the Cupertino, Cupertino one, right, Mark? Yeah. Cupertino one, yeah. Oh, okay. Yep. That's cool. Are you, so you're going to be on Apple Campus, or...? I presume so, although I haven't actually checked that, but I would I would imagine so. Mind yeah. you, Apple, Apple Campus is growing like a weed in that area. Right? Oh, yeah, the Apple Campus is... They do own every building in that city, I think, pretty now, much. So, pretty yeah. much, yeah. And, and it's expanding into uh, Sunnyvale and mm. nearby towns, too. Yeah, the new campus is is going to be pretty big. It's right on the other side of the freeway, more or less, from the from the main one. Right. So I don't know whether they're going to close down part of the old one or just hmm. keep on. Yeah, I heard they the were just going to consolidate like everything. All the other little buildings they have, they were just going to move those people to Infinite Loop, and the Infinite Loop people will move to the new campus, and they'll oh, just you know have yeah. two. Is what I was what I heard. I think. Yeah, yeah. but well, they're I, also they're also they also just bought another. I don't know if it's a campus, but a but a large building up on uh, in North San Jose, which is hmm. still pretty close, but but not connected. Right. Uh, so, right. and they actually, as far as I know, they actually bought that building. So I'm not sure what the plan is there. Hmm. So, can you see the construction site from a freeway when you're on it? Or oh, sure, yeah, yeah. Uh, well, uh, from the freeway, it's sort of hard to see because yeah. there's kind of a retaining wall and it's in behind. But but you can you can get off on surface streets and go see it. Sure, easily. Oh yeah, cool. Is it huge? Like giant or? Pretty big. It's probably about the same size as Infinite Loop, I think. Oh, okay, okay, right. Yeah. But it's yeah. not. Yeah, not. Uh, yeah, I mean, I could see them keeping Infinite Loop um, for historic purposes. You know, I mean, it used to be back in the day you could actually go for you could go into the into the campus in the in the sort of courtyard there, and the store used to be inside the campus, but uh, mm-hmm. now they moved it outside, right? So, back in the day. Alrighty. Um, so if uh, yeah, people yeah, want to find if, you on the interwebs, Aaron, where would they Aaron, look? Where? where? Go to Twitter, at Aaron Vey. Find me there. Yeah. That's how you'd find me cool. if you were looking. Yeah. yeah. If you're not looking, then don't go there. Right. Just don't. Stay. Stay where you are. And Greg, if people want to find you on the interwebs and... After things. visiting Aaron, they should also visit me on Twitter. I'm Greg Heo on Twitter. Okay, and Mark, if people want to get a hold of you, how would they do that? Send me an email at markrartsmapsoft.com. All right, and do people do that, Mark? No. No, <laughs> no of course, people do, but, but no one directly from the show has done that. Oh, really? Well, you, but you've, you've heard of people from the show. You've had call-outs from people saying, oh, I heard you on the show, right? I, I, I did. I got a nice uh, review on the app store for one of my apps, actually. Oh, cool. Show. Yeah. Wow, that's yeah, good. At least we're doing something for somebody. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and once again i'm tim mitra t-i-m-m-i-t-r-a on the twitter and on my high website it-guy.com and of course you can get a hold of any one of us on the mtjc.fm website and of course on, we have a twitter account as well and you'll hear about that in the outro so take it away Jaime, on the outro and the rest of us will say goodbye see you next week bye-bye bye-bye If you want to find out more about the show, you can visit the More Than Just Code website at mtjc.fm. There, you can find a summary and show notes for each episode. We list links to the items that we talk about on the show, as well as links to the apps on the App Store. If you like the podcast, please leave a comment on the website. And if you can, please write a review on iTunes. 
If you're listening on Overcast, go ahead and press the recommend button. It really helps others find out about the show. You can also follow us on Twitter. Once again, the podcast Twitter account is at MTJC underscore podcast. If you'd like to support us, you can pledge any amount on patreon.com slash MTJC. Thanks again for listening. Yeah, I like how Jaime does the little outro. I was expecting you guys to rotate. I thought the next episode Aaron would do it, and then the next episode Mark would do it. Hey, Aaron's got the script. He just has to... Yeah, you know what? I just keep forgetting to do... The the problem is is that I only break out the microphone once a week, right? Well, so you could do one right now. Uh, Yeah, I could. We could could tackle you. It's true. Um, I need the script. (laughs) Oops, sorry. I've stopped recording. Um, Uh, Can you resend the script? I'll do one right now. Sure. You want like, it right now? I'll hang up and I'll do it and then I'll send it to you. Okay, cool. And I'll find it. And remember, do it with feeling, Aaron. Hey, do you want to do one, Greg? Since I know Mark won't do one. Mark, or Mark you have to do one. I think you guys should rotate. I it's n- it. I, I, it was nice getting a little variety and hearing uh, hearing Jaime do it. It was nice. Yeah, yeah. Well, it, it was I your fault so, that we started doing it because you criticized my, my delivery. That's true. We don't have hey, that. everybody, if you'd like to follow us on the uh, blah, blah, blah. Really? Yeah, I'm making one. Don't worry. Thank you. Okay. December. Untitled folder added to my Dropbox. Yeah, freak out. I got that too. It's like um, Tim wasn't thinking this. He didn't think the podcast would last this long. (laughs) No, I I normally do. (laughs) I normally recycle the folders and and sometimes you find little surprises in them. But uh, yeah, I normally, normally. uh, hmm. So so I'm looking at the the map right now in satellite view. It's bigger, uh, isn't it, Mark? It's It's got to be bigger. Yeah, it's about twice the size. Twice the size. In terms of buildings, it's, well, maybe even more than twice the size. I mean, like like acreage. It's like... it's The lot is about triple the size. Triple the size. Okay, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's like, yeah. And plus, they're building a big circle, right? It's going to be a big empty space in the middle of there, so not efficient use of space, I don't think. Well, they're doing what Google's doing. If if you know the Google campus, there's a big space in the middle where people just hang out and they have barbecues and stuff. Mm. Must be nice. Yeah. It is nice. I've been over there a couple of times. It is nice. Oh, the Google one? Or? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. I've been on, I've, I've actually stood on where the new Apple campus is because I used to work for HP <laughs> and I did a, and oh, I yeah. did a trip down there and oh, it really? was HP land. Yeah. Um, mm. So I spent a, a week uh, at a conference uh, for inside of HP there on that property. Yeah. It's kind of funny. To, I, I remember those buildings as they were being torn down. <laughs> hmm. yeah. When I Tim, first where's my script? The Bay Area, it's coming, it's coming. Just typing. Ago, I, I lived almost right across the street from there, actually, when it was the HP campus. Awesome. Wow. But, I'm actually yeah, looking at the satellite on <laughs> Apple Maps, and there is actually a circle there now. So they've actually That's built right, it. That's yeah. right, yeah. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, Last okay. I saw, well, it was... the Apple Maps going to keep that pretty up to date, don't yeah. you think? <laughs> Last I saw, there was still a road running through, and uh, there were still buildings. But it's actually like they're building it in segments, you know? There's like eight little arcs, but it's a big circle. All right, guys, I'm going to check out. Uh, All right, ciao. Nice to hear your voice, Greg, and uh, nice to hear you again, Mark. We'll Great. see you next week. See you next week. See you Monday. See you Monday. Yeah. yeah, Monday. Bet. Oh, yeah, that's oh, right. <laughs> yeah, we'll be thinking. Bye-bye. Yeah, we'll be thinking. Yeah, I'll be in Vegas on Monday. Actually, cool. Oh, what are you doing in Vegas? Is it like uh, a like bunch of guys going down or something? Or? Yeah, it's a, it's kind of a mini college reunion. 
Oh, a bunch okay. of guys I used to know from college are going to be hanging out there. Mm. So, uh, yeah, we're all going out just to get away for a, for a couple of days and party. There. Oh, yeah, the infinite loop is like tiny by comparison. You're right, Mark. It is like triple, <laughs> yeah, isn't it? Yeah, it's I, like I, massive. Yeah, I was actually surprised when I looked at it in plan view because it doesn't seem that way when you drive by. What about those two line uh, straight buildings right on 280? Is that part of it too? You know, I don't know. Oh, like they look like two um, battleships, like two carriers parked there. What is that? Yeah. I wonder if those are just temporary buildings that okay. is where the, you know, where the construction site. But like that, that's part of the Apple lot too? I don't know. Oh, I honestly okay. don't know. I'll check it out. I'll drive by and see what I can see. <laughs> you're like, you're like the eyes on the ground, I guess. Yeah. yeah. I'm guessing that yeah. little prune ridge area with the houses and the person who has the pool, that is not in the lot. But That's residential. Yeah. Everything that's that that's, uh, sandy yeah, color, I'm assuming, is part of it. valuable real estate in, in the city right now. <laughs> yeah, I wonder how much... Or, I don't know. Because you've got to offer... You know, that's like 30 people you have to offer or more. 50 people maybe you have to offer, right? And get them yeah. all to agree oh, to houses move. houses in that area are million bucks yeah yeah now, even right across the street the not so great ones are still a million bucks just because of the location yeah yeah there are so no mid-rises or high rises are there like people who work at apple if i want if i work there and i wanted <laughs> to live like within walking distance i couldn't do it right uh there is an apartment complex um if you look on uh let's see is it west by the infinite loop yeah by the oh, infinite infinite loop, across the street uh-huh. with the things with the orange Tops, sort yeah. of orangish. Yeah, those are apartments, actually. Ah, uh, okay. I think that's where they. Are you guys looking at Apple Maps on your on your Mac? No, or? I just sent an image through Skype. Yeah, I am looking on my Mac though, Tim. Yeah. Oh, there it is. Okay. Uh, yeah, but are you looking at satellite view or are you looking? At I'm looking at satellite view. Okay. Oh, so there are apartments <laughs> in Cupertino. I've been there a few times. But I've, I don't think I've ever seen anything higher than you know, two stories or something. Yeah. No, there are some. There I mean, are. Okay. I mean, there's, well, no, there's no high rises. I mean, the, the that's what I'm saying. Like, like, like six it. stories. Is there like a walk up? Do they have a six story apartment? Oh, um, not probably not in Cupertino. No. Okay. <laughs> no. All right. It's it's very re- Cupertino is very residential. Uh, yeah, I know. Residential. Yeah. 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 Um, and very expensive. Yeah, that's something. Like, where do they? So, no one who works at that. Well, not no one, but very few people who work at Apple live in Cupertino then. I would say long-time Apple employees probably do. Yeah. But new Apple employees probably almost most definitely do not. Yeah, yeah. Because, <laughs> uh, you know, they can't buy a house there. Yeah. But when did, when did Apple move into to Cupertino? It wasn't, wasn't right away. Like, it was... Was that their first sort of... Yeah, that's a good question. It um, was. They were on uh, Banley just across the street, right? I think they still own the building. I think I was there once, but it's like Banley, like 101 Banley or whatever, right across the street. Well, not, you know... Pretty much across the street from Infinite Loop, but I think they still have their original building. Hmm. Um, like they just rented, you know, two rooms in this office there or whatever. But um, hmm. all right, so I can't go work at Apple and also live there. Then I have to live somewhere far. Is what you're saying? Well, probably, yeah. Well, too bad. Yeah, of course. There's you could rent a house or something like that, um, or you know, if if you have a million dollars sitting around, you can buy a house. But <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that is uh, that's not the case. You laugh though. That's what I, that's what the houses are going for in my neighborhood. Are they? Yeah. Yeah. Nice. Well, it's well, a million quite, Canadian. Not, I mean, yeah, anyway, they're, they're not quite. Well, I'm thinking 125, but they're not quite there yet. But they're getting there. Yeah. Yeah. So, like the house across the street from me sold for a million Canadian a couple of years ago. Yeah. Mm. And it's like nothing to write home. It's like just a little two-story semi-detached, right? So, mm. very strange. I want I want the job that the guy who has that could afford that. 
Or maybe well, I don't. you know, if you make fifty nine thousand a year and you save up for a while, Tim, you can do yeah. it. You yeah. can do it. Selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing, however you ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business, from the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads.